0: When Goldberg exploded onto Nitro in 1997, WCW was at its peak. The New World Order captivated fans and the high-flying cruiserweight division added excitement. But Goldberg brought something different. An intense, no-nonsense ass-kicker, he quickly became a fan-favorite, known for his brief, yet dominating matches and growing undefeated streak. And soon he was World Heavyweight Champion. But while his rise was fast, the decline of his career was a long, drawn-out affair, not just in WCW, but in WWE too, spanning literally decades. In this video, we're taking a closer look at the rise and the fall of Bill Goldberg. Goldberg's promising career in football ended abruptly due to a severe injury. With his NFL dreams dashed, he was spotted by Lex Luger and Sting at a gym in Atlanta. Impressed by his size and his work ethic, they suggested that he try training to become a wrestler at WCW's power plant. The power plant, located in an Atlanta industrial park, had a reputation for being a brutal, punishing boot camp, led by trainer Buddy Lee Parker, aka, Sarge. But as Goldberg's training progressed, one thing was undeniable. He had the look and the intensity of a superstar. He made his debut in a dark match before Nitro in June 1997, and then he made his on-screen debut in September, where he squashed Hugh Morris in less than three minutes. Throughout October, Goldberg beat The Barbarian Roadblock and Scotty Riggs in similar fashion. Executive Vice President Eric Bischoff wanted Goldberg to provide something different to WCW fans. Bischoff was obsessed with basing WCW's product in reality, aiming to appeal to teenagers and adult fans. He wanted to take the opposite approach to the WWF, who presented their wrestlers as almost cartoon characters. Goldberg was getting over with the fans because of his incredible look and off-the-charts intensity, and because he seemed real. While Hogan was cutting 15-minute promos every week, here was this jacked-up guy arriving, kicking ass, and then leaving, barely saying a word. In an interview, Eric Bischoff said, Bill came out with very little experience, very little training in the power plant, but he got a tremendous reaction from the crowd just because he had so much charisma. And we went, okay, we've got to put that guy on TV. Now he goes out there, he does one or two things, sets somebody up, jackhammers, spears him, boom, he's done. That's all he was capable of doing because we wanted to get him on TV right away. Now it's like, okay, he's still training at the power plant, He's still learning what he needs to learn to be able to go out there and have a 12, 15, 20 minute match. But in the meantime, he's just going to go out and crush people. He was laying waste to jobbers and mid-carders week after week to continue on what was now becoming a winning streak. And my goodness, was he over with the fans. His entrance now included the pyro, the shadow kickboxing and the smoke-breathing. As far as Goldberg was concerned, it was an easy gig. He just had to go out there for a few minutes every week and before he knew it, he was back in the locker room. Well, that was before he met Steve Regal. Regal was a highly regarded technical wrestler and he was used to being in the ring with wrestlers who knew what they were doing. But up until now, Goldberg had been booked to squash his opponents, and for good reason, because it hid how inexperienced he was. Regal and Goldberg were booked to have a six minute match, and it went almost immediately off the rails. Regal tried to have a proper wrestling match with Goldberg, but it quickly became evident that he didn't know what he was doing. In an interview, Regal said, I'm told to have a six-minute match with Bill. And up until this point, Bill had been working 90-second matches. I was told to have a competitive match with Bill. We get out there and Bill freezes up. So I'm working around him. I didn't hit him any harder than anyone else. It was just me trying to get him to do stuff. We get to the back and Eric started screaming at me. And Bill came up and said, I'm sorry, it was my fault. I made him look foolish my exact words to Eric were, I can't hit myself. And Bill stood there and agreed. But Goldberg himself later went on the record to disagree with Regal's version of events. How can you look at that like it wasn't resentment? He tried to kick my face a few times and I just gave him my face. It's all good. He's a shooter. If that makes him feel better, then fine. I'd love to fucking scrap with him right now. It would be beautiful. But at the end of the day... It was resentment. It was a hiccup that neither Goldberg or Bischoff wanted to repeat, and luckily, even after that fiasco, Goldberg was still super over with the fans and only getting hotter. He pinned Raven for the US Championship the night after Spring Stampede 1998 and then went on to feud with the New World Order. He found himself face-to-face with Hollywood Hogan. The men would battle on a huge episode of Monday Nitro, emanating from the Georgia Dome in Atlanta, Goldberg's hometown. 41,000 fans were in attendance to see him slay the leader of the NWO. It had been a rapid ascent to the top of the mountain, and there Goldberg stood, WCW World Heavyweight Champion. When taken as a whole, this would be the peak of his career. He had all the momentum in the world. The fans were white hot and he'd been booked almost flawlessly up until this point. And from a fan's perspective, it was great to see WCW produce a homegrown talent, someone who'd never been seen in the WWF. At Halloween Havoc, that momentum would continue as he defeated DDP in one of his best ever matches. But unfortunately for Goldberg, WCW was about to go to hell in a handbasket, and with it, his career. He was still undefeated at this point, although most fans had realised that his number of wins had been greatly exaggerated. But it didn't matter, because a lot of Goldberg's popularity came from his aura of invulnerability, and the winning streak was a major part of that. And so, being defeated for the first time marked the downhill turn in his Rise and Fall story. Kevin Nash became WCW Booker in late 1998, and unsurprisingly, he decided that he would be the one to end the streak. It was a disgusting bit of nepotistic booking, but at Starcade, it happened. Scott Hall interfered, jabbing Goldberg with a cattle prod allowing Big Sexy to get the victory and become the new World Heavyweight Champion. Many thought that beating the streak was like killing the Golden Goose, and they were absolutely right. Goldberg lost a ton of momentum that night. Rather than letting him get his momentum back by beating some jobbers and getting a rematch for the title, they booked him in lame storylines where he had to play second fiddle to the NWO instead. Who can forget the visual of Goldberg being carted off in handcuffs on suspicion of stalking Miss Elizabeth or him laying face down, being spray-painted, for example. In March 1999, Bret Hart got on the mic and called Goldberg out, saying that he could beat him in five minutes. He challenged Goldberg to come out and spear him. Goldberg answered the challenge but upon trying to spear Hart, he got knocked unconscious. It turned out that Hart was wearing a metal plate under his jersey. It was a pretty cool setup for the feud, but in the end, it would take months for the men to actually wrestle each other. It was around this time that Hart took a hiatus due to Owen passing away. And so in the meantime, Goldberg got his win back against Kevin Nash at Spring Stampede and then went on to feud with Sid Vicious. When Bret Hart returned later in the year, he won a tournament to become the World Heavyweight Champion. And so, at Starcade, Goldberg challenged Hart for the title in the main event of the show. During the match, Goldberg accidentally kicked him hard in the head, giving him a massive concussion in the process. He managed to end the wrestling career of a living legend, with one boot to the head. Goldberg managed to pick up an injury of his own at the end of December when he smashed his forearm through a legit car window, leading to a few months away from WCW. His last match in the company was at the Sin pay-per-view in January 2001, where he tag-teamed with Dwayne Bruce in a losing effort to Lex Luger and Buff Bagwell. When the WWF purchased WCW in March 2001, they decided not to buy out Goldberg's multi-million dollar contract. Instead, he went to Japan for four matches. His time in Japan put him on WWE's radar and at WrestleMania 19, a promo package aired with that familiar entrance music playing in the background. The speculation is over! The Rock had just beaten Stone Cold at WrestleMania and he was bragging that he'd achieved everything he could in the business and now it was time that he moved on to Hollywood. And so Goldberg came out and speared The Rock into the mat. A match between the men was set for backlash. The match went on for 13 minutes and after three spears and a jackhammer, Goldberg beat The Rock. He then went on a new winning streak, beating 3 Minute Warning, Christian and then Chris Jericho at the Bad Blood pay-per-view. But the fans were going cold on Goldberg and he was getting a very mixed reception from them. He looked like a monster in the Summerslam Elimination Chamber match. Well, that was before Triple H and his buddies put a stop to his progress anyway. The men faced off and Unforgiven for the World Heavyweight title, and Goldberg did manage to briefly put a stop to Triple H's reign of terror. But his time as World Heavyweight Champion was disappointing to say the least. He only defended the belt against a few opponents, but it was clear that none of them were ever going to beat him. Three months later and he lost the belt back to Hunter in a triple threat match with Kane at Armageddon in December. It was now clear that WWE had started losing faith in him. But there was one last interesting opponent for him and that was Brock Lesnar. Goldberg was the 30th entry in the 2004 Royal Rumble but was thrown out by Lesnar who interfered. Lesnar went on to beat Eddie Guerrero for the WWE title at No Way Out, and that's when Goldberg got his revenge at the end of the show. A match between the men was set for WrestleMania 20, with Steve Austin as the special guest referee. Sadly, this so called dream match was a huge waste of time. The contest took ages to get going, and it was clear that the men had no chemistry. In fact, Austin, was the only man that was over with the crowd. This was their final match in the company, and they ended up limping out the door after receiving a stone-cold stunner each for their troubles. It wasn't really Goldberg's fault that his first WWE run was so mediocre because he was booked quite poorly, but his return to the company in 2016 was a different story. Goldberg left in 2004 due to a falling out with Vince McMahon. He didn't want to work extra house show dates and McMahon accused him of not being a team player. It was his inclusion as a bonus character in the WWE 2K17 video game that brought him back into contact with the company and he and Brock Lesnar traded words of war while promoting the game. On WWE TV, Paul Heyman challenged Goldberg to a match with Lesnar face-to-face. The match took place at the 2016 Survivor Series and to the surprise of everyone, Goldberg beat Lesnar in just 1 minute and 26 seconds. It was a blessing that they kept this so short and Goldberg got a decent nostalgia reaction from the fans which would have been great if this was a one-off appearance, but it wasn't. He entered the Royal Rumble in January, eliminating Lesnar from the match, carrying on their feud. And then, annoyingly, he squashed Kevin Owens for the Universal Championship. At the time, Kevin Owens was super over with the fans, and they didn't want to see his main event push being ended by Goldberg. But that's exactly what happened, setting up another match between Lesnar and Goldberg at WrestleMania, this time for the title. By now, the fans were already tired of Goldberg, with him getting firmly behind Lesnar during the match. Lesnar beat him for the belt in less than five minutes, but even during such a short match, it was evident that Goldberg was totally past his prime. He was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2018, and the fans sighed a breath of relief. Goldberg had surely stunk up his last ring. Well, that was until Super Showdown. This was a stadium show in Saudi Arabia and they demanded to see the big stars from the 1990s. And so we ended up with the utter disaster that was Goldberg versus The Undertaker. It is difficult to put into words how bad this match was. Goldberg clumsily managed to run headlong into a ring post, concussing himself and therefore botching the rest of the match. It was an embarrassment for both men and it was a real shame to see The Undertaker involved in something like this. Despite Goldberg being a decade past his sell-by date, Vince McMahon, for some reason, kept on booking him He beat Bray Wyatt for the Universal Championship in February 2020 in a match that nobody wanted to see before losing it to Braun Strowman at WrestleMania 36. After a nine-month hiatus, he came back again, this time losing to Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley in awful feuds that nobody asked for. In February 2022, Goldberg made his final return, this time challenging Roman Reigns to a match for the Universal title. Yes, it was crap, but thankfully it only lasted six minutes, with Reigns retaining the belt in the end. Goldberg's rise in the wrestling business was very fast indeed. He reached the pinnacle in such a short amount of time, but his fall was a slow, drawn-out affair. He ended up being exposed as a one-trick pony once the squash matches were over. His return to wrestling in the 2010s really did tarnish his legacy, because sometimes it's better to leave the memories alone.